is a gentleman who absolutely, literally needs no introduction. Unless you just moved here from Mars, you already know that Mr. Bob Hale has been the president and CEO of uh, the HAR since 1988. <laughs> Under his leadership, HAR uh, has grown to be the largest trade association in Houston and the second largest realty board in the entire United States, over 36,000 residential and commercial practitioners. Uh, as a result of his vision and leadership, HAR.com has uh, grown to be the largest local website for real estate search in Houston. Over three million unique visitors a month. And let me tell you, that's a wagon full, folks. In 2015, HAR.com was rebranded statewide and relaunched as Homes and Rentals and currently has over 150,000 listings and 8.2 million property records. Brother, HAR uh, became the first real estate association to donate $1 million to their statewide political action committee. And you know how important that is. So without further ado, a man who's a mover shaker, a go-getter, a trendsetter, your friend and mine, I call him Mr. Bob. Give it up for Bob Hey. He's a broker. 
like everybody in this room. He uh, has started experimenting with Redfin now, which is an iBuyer service. Again, it's an experiment. Uh, they went and did an IPO in July. Yesterday, I think you were worth over $2.1 billion. And he still came to see us. I mean, you know, <laughs> a lot of people would be on the fridge every year right now, drinking a Mai Tai and, and relaxing, but uh, you just keep working, which is fantastic. More than $40 billion in home sales during uh, 2016. They're the fastest growing top 10 real estate websites in the country. Uh, Zillow is number one in every market in the United States except one, and that's here. And, uh, but we still love Zillow, right? And uh, that's a shame that, oh well. Uh, Redfin is the number one broker in every market, I think, in the United States. At least everyone I've ever looked at here is the number one broker. Uh, they have an employee agent based model. So all of their agents are uh, employees and they all have to be rated to receive their compensation. And they just now started charging a 1% listing fee in most of the markets that they're in. And you're in, you're in every major market. How many markets are you in? 84 different cities, yeah, major cities. Okay, Eric Wu, Eric's the, the new kid on the block, I guess, as, as far as, uh, you know, <coughs> Open doors fairly new. We welcome you to the industry. Uh, Eric has raised $320 million in equity funding and borrowed $600 million, so got about a billion dollars in the bank to work with. Buys homes at market value, offers a, or provides an instant offer within 24 hours, uh, allows the seller to close anywhere from three to 60 days, and has a 7% fee to do that. They're in Phoenix, the Dallas-Fort Worth area, Las Vegas, and Atlanta. Going to be in Raleigh in October by the end, uh, Orlando by the end of October. He said earlier, he said, I don't know if y'all realize it, but boy, they got some settlement problems in Dallas. We like, yeah, we got settlement problems, we got hurricane problems, we got mosquitoes. You know, you probably don't want to open it. In Houston. <laughs> And they've got open-door mortgage that allows you to close within uh, up to 15 days. So that's a little bit about these three. And so what we're going to do is do some questions and answers and then allow anyone that has a question to uh, to do that. So what do you think is, uh, Kurt, one of the most or the most important things that Zillow has accomplished so far? So Zillow's been around for over 10 years. And in that 10 years, we have seen a massive shift from offline to online. And Zillow's managed to capture a large part of those consumers. So that's where you get these large numbers, 180 million consumers per month, uh, 315 houses viewed on our mobile apps every second. But the key behind that, the thing that actually drives behind that is consumers in, in the United States are fascinated by properties. They love homes. They love the one they're in. They love their neighbor's home. They love that one down the street they've been watching. They're interested in selling. They're interested in buying. And so what we have managed to do is by turning on data, allow them to then connect with that. And we have a saying that's all about. We have these things that uh, are called core values. And they're little sayings that we have on the walls. We have them in our coffee shops. We have them 
And there, there are things that we try to live by. There are aspirational things we try to live up to. The one that is written on the wall if you walk into our office, the one that we try to live by is called turn on the lights. And the idea that I turn on the lights is that it is difficult in this business to do a lot of things. It's difficult to buy and sell a house. There's lots of hurdles. And if it's dark and there's lack of information, it's even harder for that consumer. If you can turn on the lights and provide more information, there are things that the consumer will be able to do better. Now, sometimes that's scary because if you turn on the lights, the consumer may be able to go farther into the transaction than they did before without reaching out to a realtor. And so well, over the last 10 years, we have seen consumers take a hold of search. So most consumers do their own search. They investigate properties. They find them. They'll narrow them down to one or a few before they reach out to a professional. But the other thing that happens when you turn on the lights is the consumers be able to see where every one of the major obstacles are. And they say, that's where I'm going to need professional help. Now, how do I find a professional? So not only on Zillow can you engage as a consumer with properties, you can engage with agents. So the 2.7 million reviews, all of the agents are there. The best agents, all of you, are there. And these consumers can walk through and they can look at what you've done. They can look at your profile. They can look at your transaction, the transaction history. And they can identify who they want to work with. They can pick a partner to go through all those major hurdles that they're going to have in that transaction. So I think the thing that we are most proud of is authentic connection between this huge consumer audience and this realtor audience so that these consumers can have success in their life experiences with real estate. Thank you. Liv, what would you say are the most important things Renfin has accomplished so far? Well, sometimes when I look at our accomplishments, I think more about how far we have to go because our goal is to be the best damn broker in the world. And a lot of times we are, but a lot of times we're not. It's just really hard to help people buy and sell houses. You gotta show up for the tour on time. You gotta know everything about the house and the neighborhood and the market. You have gotta tell people what their home is worth, get them to list with you, even when you tell the truth. And all of these things just turned out to be a lot trickier than I thought when I first started doing this 10 years ago. So Redfin just prides itself on being a broker, on helping people buy and sell homes. I think there's a lot of aspirational energy behind that because folks are, putting their parents in nursing homes, driving across the country because their boyfriend just dumped them and they're looking for a new life because they just lost a job or got a job. And it's just been a privilege to work on it. So I don't think there's anything fancier than just trying to serve our customers well. That's what we're proud of. How important do you think it is the fact you have employed agents and you have your own proprietary software? Oh, well, I mean, it's the only way we could have done it. I don't know how you build a sense of team if you don't take care of one another. We talked right after the flood came to Houston and everybody was pulling together. And I think part of that is just because this town is crazy. I expected everybody to be crying when I got on the phone with them. Instead, people were sort of excited. I found it weird and unsettling. <laughs> 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 but part of it is that uh, there's just a deep, deep sense of teamwork that when one person is down, another person's going to help them out. So we wanted to have uh, a culture uh, that I think depends on being able to take care of one another, even when you're not selling a lot of houses one after the next. Eric, what do you what do you see open doors? Uh, major accomplishments so far, or major challenges that you've overcome. Well, you know, we just had this panel uh, an hour ago, and I made a statement that uh, yeah, that uh, my my greatest professional uh, accomplishment is be on a stage with these two. So uh, <laughs> people laugh, but these guys have accomplished a lot. We're we're an early stage company. They've been live for two years, but I, I think to Glenn's point around just being honored to, to be in the category and really build uh, towards a, 
better customer experience. You know, we, we get a lot of a lot of our customers are contingent buyers looking to buy another house. It's really it's really quite challenging. If you have a house to sell, to buy the next house, and, and to, take, to, to enable that experience to be stress-free and fluid, uh, is something that I'm particularly excited about, as well as you know, the team that I've assembled. Uh, we're working towards making the transaction simple and hassle-free. And just to clarify, if you buy a house, you're gonna maybe repair it or fix it up a little bit, then you're gonna resell it. You're gonna list it with a realtor in the MLS. I mean, you're you are you're gonna be a realtor. You're you are a broker. Yeah, but you will pay a commission to, brokers, the, yeah. to the co-broker and put it in all this, is that correct? Yeah, and we work with listing agents as well. In, 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 in our core markets, listing agents go into uh, appointments with both a fantastic uh, experience to list a home, as well as an offer from us to figure out what is best for that customer. Again, a lot of, a lot of the, the people that work with us are contingent buyers. They have to use the equity in the current home as a down payment in the next house, and we enable that transaction to be uh, How do you select the other realtor to go make the listing presentation? Um, we're, building, we're building a product where uh, agents who want to sign up for the, the experience can. And so um, we want to just empower every every mover with an opportunity and a choice to have a guaranteed sale. So in other words, the, the seller would see your offer, but also an offer uh, a listing presentation from a competing realtor. Correct. Okay. Uh, Kurt, um, how do you believe the Zillow Group has most impacted the industry? So over the last 10 years, we've made small impacts and, and larger impacts. I mean, on the small side of things, if you remember 10 years ago, how listings on a national site um, were slimmed down unless you paid to add value to it. Anybody remember those days? Where for free you got four list, four photos and a limited set of fields, and you had to actually pay to get more photos online. Well, when Zillow came in, we said no. All listing data is going to go on there for free, and we will show as many photos as we can, and we're not going to limit the amount of data. That part is going to be free because we want a great consumer experience. So that actually reset the floor and actually did make a change to the industry. Zillow then was early in the mobile stage. And, uh, and brought this consumer audience over into the mobile environment. So now that in the United States, three out of every four consumers who are looking for homes uh, on mobile are doing it on one of our applications, on one of our brands. But I think the biggest thing is we have mentioned, and we've not always succeeded, but we have tried to walk down a line where we keep the needs of the realtor in mind while we are fanatical about answering the needs of the consumer. And case in point, our instant offers product. So we have a, a product that we're testing in two different markets where a home seller can raise their hand and say, I'm interested in potentially selling my house. And, uh, and again, this model's been around for a long time offline. You drive around Houston, you'll see the We Buy Ugly Homes billboards, but it's moving online. And when it's moving online, it's bringing in a new set of consumers who are interested in that product, not just ones that are financially strapped or have a, a life change, but simply ones who said there may be a better way to do this transaction than the historical way. And the companies up here are, are deeply involved in that. What we looked at it and said, how is there a way that we can both turn on the lights, have more exposure of information to that consumer, but also keep an eye to the need of the realtor? So what happens on our platform is a, a, real, a, a seller raises their hand, says, I am interested in potentially selling my house. We package that information up and we send it immediately off to a realtor. That realtor 
future then is on the clock. And they need to engage with that homeowner, and then they have 24 hours to get a CMA back in the hands of that home, home seller. Then we also send that same information out to a pool of investors. And we get up to five different investor offers back to that home seller. So now within 24 hours, that home seller is sitting there with a CMA that tells them what their house would be worth if they put it on the market in a traditional way and gives them an idea of how long that process would take. And then they have up to five different investment offers and the investors know that they're competing with each other and so they're gonna put their first, their best bid forward. Now there's transparency. The consumer has lots of different options. They have a connection with a realtor. And what we have found is that the majority of the time, if they decide to sell, they're going with the realtor. So that is an authentic uh, con uh, connection there, and they go down that path. Now, sometimes their needs or life uh, determines that they need to choose from one of the investor offers. In that case, we do two things. One, we require that every investor is a broker in that market. And so they either have to be a broker or work with a local brokerage on the investor side. Then we also tell the homeowner that we recommend that that agent that you are in connection with, the one that you provided, uh, provided you a CMA, use them as your representation in that transaction. But we can't force them to do that, but we try to make sure that the consumer has as much information and they have contacts with professional help to walk them through that transaction. So I think in those ways, it's been a very, very positive impact. Lynn, you're, as I said earlier, you're a broker. How do you see your brokerage impacting the industry over the years and going forward? Well, we think the ultimate consumer advocate is the broker. We're the ones who host the tours and write the offers and list the properties and do the work. And what we want to do is just stand up for the brokerage industry to also be technology enabled. If there's this idea that there's going to be technology over here and brokers over there, that's always going to be scary and weird and different. But I think there's also an argument that real estate agents and brokers can embrace technology to make real estate better, not just for the industry, but for the consumer. And so. All we're trying to do is stick up for the brokerage industry and say, here's how we can use technology to make real estate work better for all of us, not just for Redfin, not just for Zillow and for Opendoor, but for all of us. Because it's not a fortress that we're trying to defend, it's an ecosystem. We're trying to make real estate work for everybody who lists properties, for everybody who buys properties. If it doesn't work for everybody, then the whole ecosystem collapses. So our argument has been just that we can make technology
then uh, you're working with more distressed sellers, which we don't work with today. And so um, I think the reality is if you can if you can improve the experience and, and deliver it at, at uh, a slight premium, I think there's uh, a service uh, for a certain set of customers who need it. Uh, but if you're charging a lot, then there isn't. Do you, do you kind of go for the median price home of market versus the really high end and the really low end, or do you yeah, go so all the way? Unfortunately, today we don't, we don't service distressed, and so we don't actually uh, purchase homes or service sellers that have uh, properties that are foreclosures or pre-foreclosure. And then um, we don't do luxury. Uh, it's really quite challenging to price a home that is a million dollars plus. Kurt, do you see Zillow as a positive impact on the broker community? And if so, yeah. So again, as Kurt said, consumers are fascinated by properties. And they're going online to do that. And that's been this happening over the last years. And in that experience of looking at properties, they also then need to rub up against and see the professionals that are servicing uh, particular market, either from the buy side or from the sell side. And they do that within Zillow. And so one of the things that has happened uh, on Zillow over the last few years, and it's been, I think, a big change, is a focus on the buyer's agent. Because on national sites prior to Zillow coming along, the, the buyer's agent was very, very difficult to find. Uh, because it was a listing agent that was predominantly displayed. If you were trying to find a buyer's agent, you might have to wander through a directory or something to look for it. And uh, on Zillow, the majority of our customer base are buyer's agents, and we give a lot of prominence on the site to buyer's agents. And then with the reviews, you can actually walk through and see what the experience has been like for consumers engaging with an, an agent that walks them through the buy side of the experience. Buyers agents can also then put their transaction history online and say, these are all of the people that I've worked with, these are all the homes that I was involved with as a buyer. So I think that's both be able for those engaged consumers to have authentic connections with realtors of all kinds, but especially on the buy side has actually been very impactful and very positive for the industry. Lynn, you promote that the Redfin consumer has a very positive experience. Yeah. 
so so Glenn, Glenn is saying the key is to get to the consumer quick, respond quick. Kurt's saying on the instant offer, that agent has sold, he didn't say how long, but not too long to get back, and then you got 24 hours for a CMA. So they're, they're, they're creating a standard that consumers are gonna expect. I mean, everything is fast. You know, you, you order food online, you want it delivered within two hours. You want your, I mean, everything is quick, 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 quick. So we do a survey of 11,000 Houston real estate consumers every other month. Anyone want to guess what the number one complaint they have about us is? We don't, we don't get back with them. We never respond. We, we're, we're like, I responded. I want to see the home. No one ever got back with me. That was the universally among all 11,000 number one complaint. The easiest to fix. But to the consumer, they're mad. I think it's super hard to fix, actually. I've been working on fixing it. <laughs> it just seems like it would be easier. I mean, you try to have a bite to eat, somebody's calling you. You try yeah. to go on a vacation or see your son's ball game and somebody's emailing you. The whole reason we've had to organize the company and the teams is because no single agent can do it. We drove our people crazy for the first five or six years trying to have individuals really get the job done. And somehow you got to partner up with somebody else who's got your back so that when you're in the bathroom, they're answering the <laughs> <laughs> Eric, we've same thing, of course, yeah. and, you know, we're, we're, we're new, but yeah. you know, when, you, when you try to provide excellent service, real estate's a seven day a week, 24 hours a day business. And it is, it is exhausting. Yeah, and, and you know, I started off company doing customer service, and it was nonstop. Like people were gonna email you, call you, text you, at midnight to make sure you're closing on time because it's that important to them. And uh, I think it's I think it's more challenging than, and we haven't all solved either. So we, we have the staff weekends, nights, teams, the same way that you guys probably do. Well Uber's created this on-demand economy, but you don't care who's driving the car as long as you get from point A to point B. But getting advice on how to sell the most valuable asset in your life, that matters. And so figuring out how to make real estate an on-demand service that has been the challenge of a decade. It's going to be the challenge of another decade. It's really hard on us. And if you look at our customer base, it's teams that have risen to the challenge so far better than anybody else. We do have solo performers who do an excellent job, but teams are often the ones that uh, are able to handle the demands of the consumer in a way that meets their expectations. We've actually seen more recently brokers begin to develop that sort of team mentality even within their brokerage to be able to handle that inflow of information, the outflow of information that's demanded by that consumer. So I think that the industry has reacted to it, uh, but I think we also still have a little ways to go based on your survey. Eric, do you, um, what, what's the one thing you'd like everybody to walk out of here thinking about over the door? And do you think you're a threat or an opportunity to the real industry? Uh, it's a good question. I, 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 you know, I firmly believe that we're an opportunity. And, and I, I like the way that Kurt described one of the core values. One of ours is starting with the customer. Even though I spent a lot of my time thinking about what are the pain points of the customer experience, how can we solve those? Um, you know, we have instances where a deal falls through, we'll come in and actually provide the capital uh, when there's uh, a financing issue with, with a, a seller. But you know, we partner with, with realtors every single day. We work with realtors every single day. Uh, to provide a better experience for 
opportunity to identify, again, one of the use cases is a contingent buyer who's really just looking to move because of a job, a family, or, or retiring. Making that transition is extremely smooth. And, you know, we pay out commissions, we're gonna pay out 35 million of commissions this year, just in our core markets. Okay, for all three of you, uh, what company or technology over the next three to five years do you think will be most impactful uh, game changer for this industry? So, we're a marketing company, and so I think the ways to market homes in an online area is actually going to be very, very exciting. Uh, images. Are, have been changing over the, the last several years. Remember, for those of you who are old enough to remember the book, uh, there was a little bit of information, this little tiny grainy image of like this fax to you, and then we finally went online, and we got a few more photos, you know, low residential, uh, low res photos, and now finally we have more photos, and most of them are high res. We had one major MLS in the country finally get off of 640 by 480 uh, photos when we told them that there's actually no camera made today that will actually take an image that bad. Um, and they finally upgraded their technology. I think that we're going to see that explode. So we are now walking around with cameras in our pocket that are better than the high density cameras you could buy five years ago. Those same cameras will take video. We have technology that can then morph those images and videos into walkthrough experiences. We have drones that you can fly uh, around the outside of the house. And then we have virtual reality and some of the AR stuff coming along, especially out of the gaming community. I think, I think we'll see those begin to merge. And I think the consumers are demanding, we see this, to be able to experience a house virtually. Not just experience what the house is like to walk through it and to feel it, but to, to walk and feel like it would be if they owned it. So with their colors and their furniture and their remodeling done on that house, all sitting, hopefully not wearing the big ugly headsets that you have to do now, because <laughs> some other technology will come along. And I think that that's a very interesting and exciting opportunity to come along in the next few years. I agree with Kurt about that. I really do. I mean, we Matterport every single one of our houses, one in three houses, or excuse me, one in three buyers ends up making an offer on a house he hasn't seen in person. Since you took that one, and since I gave the credit to Eric in the earlier panel, I gotta tell you, Open Door. I think Open Door is onto something. Um, there are people who really want an easy certain sale. We're trying to figure out how many people really will will go through with that, whether it's 5% of the market or a third of the market or more. Um, but we just haven't seen a lot of action on the transactional side. For the longest time, it was one website after another. But now there are other folks getting onto the transactional side of the game. And to me, that's exciting and scary and exhilarating and fun. My turn? Oh. Yeah, that's <laughs> Thank you. Eric's going to say, I read Pen is the so uh, I, I agree with the with the AR comment. Uh, you know, I, I think we have we have this division of the company called uh, the home experience, and we build uh, applications for our vendors, inspectors, uh, basically a, a set of software for home services. And we really want to make that component of handling deferred maintenance completely fluid, hassle-free, remove costs from the system so that we can uh, increase the number of transactions per year in our cities. Um, we've thought about how do we make a, a drone. Uh, where it's possible to kind of deploy the home, fly around uh, the home, and actually capture everything you would need uh, to properly scope and value that home without a single person.
that's an exciting world. We're not going to build that world. Other people will. Uh, we're going to uh, hopefully license that technology. But I mentioned this in the last panel. I think the thing that's exciting the most is there's a lot of new startups working on uh, removing the, the down payment requirement to buy a home and will increase the number of homeowners in the US. Uh, there's Loftium, there's Landed, uh, there's Divi. Uh, and, 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 and you know, my personal perspective is that again, a lot of a lot of cities are going through uh, quick gentrification, and, and you know, the creatives come in and, and do all of that hard work. These are the chefs, the artists, the, uh, the small businesses, and, and, and when the when the value of the land appreciates, when the value of that real estate appreciates, the price tags. Mm -hmm. And so, a lot of the new companies have seen uh, some versions around institutional investing, which I'm not super excited about, but some of the local funds enabling small businesses to invest in the local real estate and capture some of that upside. Uh, both the, the, the creators that move in the area to invest in the fund, uh, as well as uh, the people who own the small businesses. So when it does gentrify and the value of that land appreciates, uh, they can stay in, in, in you know, the, the commercial real estate uh, and, and the residential real estate. Who's got a question? So for Zillow, uh, wanted to find out how, what system do you have in place to choose the realtor for that new program that you were uh, referring to, and also what fee do you charge to the realtor? So the question was, what system do we have to choose the realtor in our program, and what fees are involved? So the instant offer. Yes, the instant offer. So right now we're testing the two markets. We're testing in Las Vegas and Orlando. We've announced Phoenix, but we haven't actually launched there. Right now, so right now we're choosing uh, agents from our premier agent program. So these are customers of ours. We're, we're interviewing some that are wanting to step up to it, either as an individual. In one case, we have teams and we have uh, uh, brokerages, and we're not charging them anything. And because we're testing, this is an experience for us to learn as much as possible. This is a complicated thing to do. There are a lot of uh, ways people wrong. Um, there are lots of things that we want to learn. So we're choosing customers out of our, uh, our current customers. We're choosing a pool of them. Uh, that raise their hand and say, I'm willing to do that work. And uh, we're not charging them anything. And how are you choosing the investors? Are so we have a pool. The question was, how do we choose the investors? We have a pool of investors. Um, I think it varies sometimes between the market between 15 and 16, sometimes there's more than that. Uh, some are interested in certain types of properties, so the pool will, will change depending on the type of property, uh, where it is in the marketplace. And uh, we have a vetting process for them. One of them is they have to either get a, a broker's license and become a broker in the market or work with a local broker to require them to be licensed in that market. Uh, and then we present the offer and uh, we work with we try to get up to five different investor offers to come through with each property that we pass through. But these are institutional investors. Yeah, no, no hiring, and where do I have to move? <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we are looking to grow our team. Grab me after this. Zillow going to become a broker uh, in the brokerage business? Uh, no. Uh, that, that buzz has been around for I think 10 years, uh, since probably the, uh, the first time we launched our website. Um, and, uh, and the answer has been consistently no. Uh, 
Uh, we recognize uh, what brokerage does. I mean, if you want to see what Zillow kind of would look like if we were a broker, that's Glenn's operation. Um, very well run, they have a great website, and they are a broker. We're not, we're a media company. So we're in the, uh, in the business of exploiting properties and, uh, and exposing them to a large audience that we can having ad opportunities on our site and then selling that advertisement. That's the model that we follow. To a certain degree, you can kind of think of us as a modern incarnation of Saturday's newspaper. We used to have all the properties in it. Uh, we reach a, a larger audience, and in the modern day, we can track and you can drive ROI and test that stuff a whole lot better than you used to. Uh, but, uh, but we're a media company, not a, not a brokerage company. What got you guys into uh, real estate? Did y'all go to college for this? <laughs> so my degree is in philosophy. <laughs> so I don't even know why. Oh, the question is, what role do you see Amazon play, and what will they fill in the real estate market based on that little blip that came out not long about Amazon real estate? Amazon, Google, Facebook are incredibly powerful companies. They could get into any market they wanted to at any time. That said. I don't think Amazon's done well in the services business. It's good at selling durable goods, but when it's actually tried to do things like this, uh, it hasn't done as well. Uh, just because we're in the same town as Amazon, I've heard rumors that that was sort of a blip. Maybe that's a misdirection, and in fact, they do have a diabolical plan to crush us all. <laughs> <laughs> that surprise me. This is for Glenn. Uh, what do you see the technology-wise uh, for realtors and brokers five years from now? Where do you think this is heading as far as the changes that are happening in technology? Sure. So the question was, how is technology? I want to make sure I get it right. How do you think technology is going to change being a broker over the next five years? And I don't think the future set. That's why I came out to this dang thing. I want to convince brokers that we should get a better deal, that we should get more traffic to our listings. If you walk the house and photograph it and describe it and sit down with somebody to really understand how they want to promote that property, everybody ought to know that you're the listing agent. And you ought to get more traffic than you've gotten. And advocating for that is not even in my self-interest, right? We don't have more than half a percent of the listings in the United States. We certainly have more buyers on our website than that. But we just don't think the whole system's going to work if whenever you post your listing into the MLS or onto another website, you have this faintly bad feeling that you're not getting as much credit as you do. And so what we'd like to see is just every broker say, how are we going to get more credit for our listings? How are we going to get them online in such a way that everybody knows how to get a hold of us when they got a question about the house. Is that a praise of nature.com? Is that what you're doing? I love MLS Coward <laughs> websites because I've sat in these MLS meetings where we work something out that favors three big brokers or four big brokers, and it doesn't work for the little guys who don't have a website, who don't have a mobile app, who don't have a way for their, their listings to get visualized. And there just has to be a neutral place that's completely on your side to show your listings. And so I think the MLS is the right way to work this out. I know there's lots of other coalitions that have gotten together. I know brokers get ticked off and 
figure out a better way. But I think the process that we have of getting together as an MLS group every couple of months in every city and saying, how are we going to share this data with each other? That's the right process, but we just have to make it work. we got to make it work. And so I think that there's one path we go on where we're just mongo, you know, just a pawn in the game of life. And we let other people do the technology and we just keep doing the work. Or we engage with that world and we say we can be a part of that world and it's got to work for everybody. And that's where I feel most passionately about it because we made a bet on the MLS. We made a bet on being a broker. You know, if there were a way we could win and all of you could lose, like maybe I'd be into that. <laughs> but I don't think it's going to work anyway. So we just got to figure out a way that everybody who's listing properties gets, gets proper credit. <coughs> All of us land share have been in a situation where you work your heart out for somebody and then it falls through. They go away. Wherever. When are we ever going to be um, a system where that doesn't happen, where we get you can't control we, that? Hey, well, payment is due and our
that goes through there. Um, and so we try to bring as much clarity. Here's what the offer is, here's what the fees are, this is the bottom line, very clear there. And then the agents on the other side, they also disclose their fees. Uh, is there a fee of 6%, 5%, whatever that is? And so that the consumer can actually make an educated decision as they go across it. I just have one extra comment on that, because we think about this a lot. We have an open door like this, it's called Redfin now, but it's nowhere near the scale of sophistication of Eric's business. And we've noticed that it's the gap between the two prices that really matters. If it's traditionally 6% to sell a house and it's 8, 10, or 12% for certainty, you're going to get a lot of market share at 8 and less at 12. And what we think about a lot is just how to control the size of that gap. One way is to control the price that is paid for this iBuyer program. But the other way is to actually lower the cost of listing the home. So you know, if the fee for selling a home is going to be about 6%, my guess is that the open doors of the world are going to approach that fee. And so we think we have to become more efficient for an agency sale to be in the customer's best interest. None of us wants to be recommending someone use us to sell a house if that's not the way to get the most money. So that's why we feel the pressure. And I think that's something that applies to not just us, but everybody. We've seen more price pressure over the past two years than we had over the 10 prior to that.
Asia kind of be involved. Again, we, we pay off commissions, and a lot of times, well, real estate is the largest transaction you'll ever make, and it's mostly grinding. And so, we may be the right solution, we may not be. I think the, the goal of um, finding someone you trust with local expertise and a lot of experience is to make sure that you're making the right choice, and we're just one of those choices. So, in that case, you know, we do pay off commissions, we also pay off referral fees. We, we don't think that we're trying to build a top of funnel consumer brand uh, where everyone comes to the site and looks for homes or listings and, and decides to sell. So uh, we want to be an option to remove um, the contingencies from the transaction as opposed to, um, you know, Zillow has 180 million unique visits. Is that right? I don't, I don't know if I'm misstated. I don't think there's a path where we get 180 million unique visits a month. All right, this has been a fantastic. You know, Lynn, one question. Are you a Zillow Premier agent? No. Answer that. All right, one, one more and then we got to cut it off. So the question is, what do you think of the stop the Zillow campaign? I think they need a better marketing uh, director. Uh, <laughs> some guy in Phoenix. Someone know his name? Some guy. No. Yeah. yeah. Actually. It's a great swan. No. No. It's, it's, it might be great, though. Hey? Yeah, okay. Uh, what do I think of it? Uh, not a whole lot, actually. <laughs> if Grant, our attorney, was here, he would tell you to be very careful of that because there's something called a group boycott. And you can not only be sued, and you can go to jail. So <laughs> competitors have to be very careful about getting together and saying we're not going to work with somebody because then you give the gun to. A few years ago, a group of brokers got together and said let's just quit advertising in XYZ newspaper. The newspaper sued them. And they made more than they would have ever gotten from their advertising. Wow. So that's purely legal. So it's something that every, be very, very careful. It's something every one of us is experience is people um, having attacks at us. Um, and most of the time it is based on information that is actually factually incorrect. And at that point you really, you can you can spend your time trying to correct their facts uh, or that, or you can just go on and do your business. Now if somebody has a critique that's based on real facts, real information, then that becomes useful to us. I think we would all listen to that and be engaged with that and say, how do we become better at what we do? Uh, but if it's, a, if it's something that's based on information that has no basis in reality, uh, I think we all are better off just putting our head down, driving forward, doing our business the way we're doing, and let them spend the time doing what they do. Let's thank our panel.